Cause sometimes I be right. Hello. Welcome to the show. What a what a good week. This is an exciting week. First week of the NFL playoffs in the books. Some very interesting interesting things happened. We're gonna talk about it. I went out on a limb. I told you I was taking the Chargers and Justin Herbert to make it all the way to the Super Bowl, and they failed in epic fashion. We're going to talk about it. You got the Giants riding high, and guess what, man? You got a new elite quarterback crowned in the NFL by the name of Danny Dimes. We're going to talk about it. You got Dak Prescott looking like the greatest quarterback of all time and destroying the GOAT and Tom Brady. We're going to talk about it. There's a lot to get into. Let's set this off right. Welcome back, Cyber Family. If this is your first time joining us, Thank you. Welcome. This is Sometimes I'll Be Right. I am your host, John Farris, reporting live from Trash Can Studios. As always, joined by my co-host, Wally. Say what up, Wally! So as I said, man, we got a lot, a lot of interesting things to get into. Um, Let's just jump right in. Let's jump right in with something that for me... Actually, you know what? Let me take a step back because I do have to acknowledge something and admit something for the past few weeks... For the past few episodes, I've been saying something. I've been saying that we live in a results-based society, right? We live in where the media is all about results and being results-based, and I was I was railing against that, right? Why well, I realized this week that that's what I what I was trying to say is not what I was actually saying. Obviously, we're all results-based, right? That's the key of everything. If you get a good result, that's that's what you're looking for is results. So if a team wins, that's the end game is to win. So obviously, you get judged on that. What I mean is not results-based. You are outcome-based, which means, for example, if a team wins, then they're good. If they lose, then they're bad. We give quarterbacks win-loss records, even though we acknowledge quarterbacks don't play for 50% of the game. They don't play defense. So how is a quarterback being credited with a win or a loss when you have the entire defense who also plays a part, when you have special team that also plays a part? Because we are just outcome based. If a team wins, the quarterback gets the credit. If a team loses, the quarterback gets the blame. Unless, of course, you like said quarterback. I say all that because that brings me to my very first topic that I want to jump right into. Saturday night, you have the Chargers versus the Jaguars. Now, one thing I've noticed is that Justin Herbert, who, in my opinion, is the second best quarterback in the NFL. I don't care what you say. I think if you look at the numbers, you can prove that. I think if you look at the talent right up there with anybody, he's not he he's just as talented as any quarterback you want to put above him. So it can't be a talent argument because he's just as talented as everybody else. If you want to go to accomplishments and you want to go to how many playoffs games has he won? How many this or that? Then you're talking about a whole different thing. Then you're talking about team oriented figures and stats. And that's not where I'm going. Right. That's not judging. That's not saying how good a quarterback is. That is determining how good is the team that he's playing with on top of how talented is he. I think if you took Patrick Mahomes and you put him on the Bears, I think they're still picking number one in the draft. Ta-da. I think if you take Justin Herbert and put him on the uh, on the Chiefs, I think they're still the number one seed. See what I'm saying? You kind of get what I'm getting at. So anyway. I also have to make another disclaimer before we deep dive into this that I know I've said I'm not about stats. Let me clarify because there's a lot of times where I will bring up stats in order to enhance an argument. Stats aren't everything. I'm not all about stats. Like there are guys who will put up great numbers, but when it comes down to it, you know that it's not everything. A perfect example of that, Kirk Cousins. There's a million times where Kirk Cousins will put up great numbers 
But then when you really need him to produce and you need him to come through, he doesn't do it. Therefore, you can judge him. You can't judge him solely on his numbers. Because if you just look at the stats, Kirk Cousins elite. But if you look at the totality of it, then you would say, all right, he puts up good numbers, but there is something missing. So I say all that as a disclaimer, again, before we get into this first topic. The Chargers played the Jaguars. The Chargers defense played lights out the first half. And and the Chargers offense helped them out as well. They got a 27-point lead, 27-0 late in the first half. And everyone, and then you all know the story. You know what the end result, what happened? The Jaguars stormed back and they win 31-30 on the last second field goal. Now, the immediate thought is, who's to blame? I have people in in my inner circle who are coming at me saying that Justin Herbert deserves blame. Once again, he didn't come through. And in my opinion, I don't think that's the case. I don't think that that's where the blame lies. Now, I understand that Justin Herbert is the quarterback. And I understand that everyone, some people will think if they just score a touchdown, the game's over. If they score a touchdown in the second half, it's over. I get that. But here's what I'm going to say. Here's here's who I place the blame on. Ultimately, the reality is offense and defense both share blame because the offense could have done more. The defense could have done more. If either one of them had done more, they would have won. Therefore, they both can assume responsibility for the loss. Here's the problem I have with blaming Herbert or questioning Herbert in the loss. 27 points is enough points to win a game. I don't care if you don't if you score all of those in the first quarter. 27 points is enough to win a game. You didn't. Okay. 30 points is enough to win a game. No matter if you scored them in the first four seconds or whatever, 30 points is enough to win an NFL game. You didn't. Okay. There was also a missed field goal, which would have given them 33 points, which means they would have won the game. He missed the field goal. So if that kicker makes a field goal and they win the game, we're not talking about Justin Herbert today. We're not talking about what they didn't do because they won and you guys are outcome based. So if they win, no harm, no foul, no problem. Here's what you have to realize. Here's why I put the the majority of the blame. If you were asking me, if I'm assessing you, who do I place the blame on? I place it squarely on the defense. And here's why. Got my notes right here. Do you understand that they were up 27 to nothing? Then the Jaguars got the ball back. And for the last five drives of that game, they got the ball back to end the second quarter, to end the first half. They scored a touchdown. In the second half, here's what they did on offense. Here's what the Chargers defense did. They gave up a touchdown, a touchdown, a touchdown, and then a field goal to win the game. So the last five times... The Jaguars had the ball. They scored four touchdowns and a field goal to seal the game. And if they needed, if they needed a touchdown to win the game, zero doubt that they would have given up six straight touchdown drives. Now you tell me who, who could give up six straight touchdown drives and not be responsible for losing a 27 point lead. Now, if you want to go on the side, if you don't like Justin Herbert, if you don't like the fact that the NFL world has crowned him as being this uber talented next up, he's whatever, whatever. If you don't like that because you feel like he hasn't earned it, 
I know people who feel that way. I know you might feel that way. But if that's the way you're looking at Herbert and you're saying, I'm going to assign this blame to Herbert because you know what? Ah, he he got to show me some. He needs to score more points than that. Six straight scoring drives? You got the ball. You went six for six and you went five for five. You went, no, I'm sorry. Five straight scoring drives, four for four straight touchdowns, four straight touchdown drives. You do understand that 27 to nothing only means if I score four touchdowns and you don't score any more points, I now win that game 28-27. It's four scores. And if I score a touchdown every time I get the ball, we're going to win. At that point, it doesn't matter. You can go ahead and you could talk about, hey, you know what? If the offense has scored this, if the defense makes one stop, one, one stop, they win the game. And you say, oh, well, that defense played lights out in the first half. The defense gave you five turnovers. Yeah, they did. And the offense returned the favor by giving you 27 points. They gave you a four-score lead, a four-score cushion. You just got to make one stop. One. So if you want to be one of those people that says, hey, you know what? I'm giving you five turnovers, short field. And I say, okay, well, I returned the favor by 27 points. You can't protect 27 points. I'm not asking you to be lights out like you were in the first half. That was crazy. Okay. But you're trying to sit there and tell me you can't get nothing. Yo, what is that? Y'all hear that? Am I being evacuated? (laughs) Like what? What is happening in my town? Anyway, back, back on topic. I think the offense helps the defense. The defense helps the offense. I think in the first half, you saw that. I think you saw the defense get some big stops, get some turnovers, and the offense converted those into points. I think in the second half, you saw that too. The defense wasn't making any stops, and the offense wasn't getting any points. They they go they were in sync the entire game. That game, that first half was dominated not by the Chargers' offense, but by the Chargers' defense. Let's face it, the Chargers' offense is, is, is trash. Their offensive game planning is awful. Like, they need a new offensive coordinator. They do. They do. Justin Herbert's way too good to be stuck in the offense in which you're limiting all of that stuff. And I got to be honest with you. I'm not in love with their receiving group either. The Chargers remind me so much of the Cowboys because they, they always get labeled as this team that is super talented. And yet they always underachieve. So at what point can we start to ask the question, are they really that talented Yes, they got great names, like Keenan Allen, great name. But like, if you start rattling off the best receivers in the league, you get to a lot before you say Keenan Allen. You talk about Mike Williams. When you start listing off the best receivers in the league, you're going to get to a lot of guys before you get to him. So let's not make it seem like they, they're just loaded offensively, loaded defensively. They got names of guys that you and your brain think are good because you've seen them do something good at one point or another. But in reality, if you're constantly coming up as a 500 team, then you have 500 talent. You're not some super talented team that's just underachieving all the time. At some point, you have to accept them for what they are. They're not super talented. Now, again, I picked them to go to the Super Bowl because I think they're good enough. I think what this weekend showed is that all of these teams are pretty close to the same. Like nobody's really head and shoulders above anybody else. So in my opinion, check your hate at the door. If you didn't hate Herbert, if that were Patrick Mahomes, the conversation would not be Patrick Mahomes came up small. The conversation would be that defense is terrible. You want to know how I know? Because Aaron Rodgers has been getting the pass for 15 years because they've routinely had a terrible defense. Peyton Manning was getting a pass for years because the Colts defense was so terrible. 
So it was like, oh, they would win, but, you know, the defense is terrible. So you give guys that you like a pass and say, oh, you know what? If the defense makes a stop, then they win. Tom Brady got a pass in the Super Bowl against the Eagles because their defense gave up 40-something points. Same kind if Tom Brady scores one more touchdown and it's, it's a, they win the game, but you're not blaming him because you're like, yo, look what he did. Look what the defense did. The defense gave up all the points. The defense gave up four straight touchdown drives and then a field goal to lose it. If they make one stop, the game's over. It doesn't matter. I don't have to score another point. If I make one stop, if one of those touchdown drives turns into a punt, I win the game. I don't need to score another point. We can't miss that. We can't forget that. The next thing I want to get into. Oh, man, where do I want to go with this? <sighs> you know what? I want to get into Daniel Jones. Danny Dimes uh, seems to be the talk of the town. But the first thing I want to do, actually, I want to get into something else. Well, first of all, let me say, look, uh, I came in here last week and I talked about how C.J. Stroud hadn't declared for the NFL draft yet. And I said there's a chance that he might come back. And I also said that as a fan I would love for him to come back, but then also at the same time, I'm kind of excited to see, you know, Kyle McCord play or Devin Brown play. Um, and I'm, I'm interested to see what's next, right? Because in college football, there's so much turnover. This happens every two, three years. You get new guys coming in, a new infusion of talent. And what does that look like? So I was kind of excited about either one. But I just thought it was interesting that I felt like C.J. Stroud is a different kind of dude. And I think he would be the one that would really strongly consider coming back, especially not having beat Michigan, not having won a Big Ten championship and feeling like you're close to a national title. Well, he declared for the draft. And I just want to say, y'all, 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 y'all need to give me some apologies. (laughs) Two years ago, after they played Oregon and lost to Oregon, I uh, argued a lot online with with idiots who thought that Quinn Ewers should play, who thought that uh, anyone else should go and see what else we have. C.J. Stroud's not the guy. And now I'm going to sit here and say C.J. Stroud should be the number one pick. Now, I haven't started evaluating quarterbacks for the draft yet. I'm going to be doing that real soon. Um, But I right off the bat, I'm just going to say right now, my guess is he's probably going to be my highest graded. And I know you're going to think that that's biased because I'm an Ohio State fan, but I promise you it's not. Um, I just think in terms of ball placement, I think in terms of accuracy, I think in terms of arm strength, I think in terms of ability, that guy's top notch. There's not many flaws. The the biggest flaw about C.J. Stroud coming out of college is going to be how good is he really? How how much of it was his ability or how much of it was the fact that Ohio State is loaded in the receiver room? That's going to be the biggest knock on him. And so for that reason, I say, look, if that's your biggest knock is that this guy might have just had too much talent around him. Like, well, come on, man. What am I going to do with that? Do you know what I'm saying? So I, I think... Whoever, the people who thought, uh, I guess I'm tooting my own horn. (laughs) The people who thought CJ Stroud wasn't the guy and who are now sitting there saying, oh, he's going to be the first round pick. Just remember, I told you, I told you I felt that way. Uh, His first game starting against Minnesota when he threw a pass that wasn't even completed. It was an incomplete pass, but he flicked his wrist and it went like 70 yards in the air. And I said, that's that guy. That's the guy. And uh, I want my credit. (laughs) So what I want to do, this this right here, what I'm about to get into is, is probably, I'm probably going to spend like the next 20 minutes arguing about this point. And, and that point is, oh gosh, 
Um, let me brace myself because I'm going to try not to get animated. I'm going to try not to get upset when I do this. But this is one of those topics that for me, this is where I say I don't I don't believe any of the national media. I, I Fans are, are morons. On Most of them are morons. You're emotional. You get caught up in, in this is my guy and all that other nonsense. And you ignore reality. Okay. I have a long, long case. So let's start this by saying why I don't buy into the Daniel Jones love fest that's currently happening. I'm going to make a big statement. Daniel Jones is no better this year than he was at any other point in his career. This is his fourth year. Fourth year. This year was by far considered to everyone to be his best season. Daniel Jones played really well this year. Okay. Okay. If that's what you think. I don't think so. I don't think he did. I don't think he did anything that was impressive. I don't think he did anything that's uh, above what he had done the previous three years. I don't. That's that's right off the bat. That's exactly my response. No, he's not. He's not any better now than he was last year, the year before, or his rookie year. He's not any better. He's the same guy. And you would say, no, no way, blah, 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 blah. Okay. Two things are at play here. Number one, your expectations. You, 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 not me, you called Daniel Jones trash. You said Daniel Jones needs to go. You said the Giants need to get a new quarterback. That's what you said, not me. So now because you said he was trash and he comes out and he's just, he's okay, he's average, he's all right, he's pretty good sometimes. He can have a game where he looks really good like he did against Minnesota. He can have a game where he looks really bad. But for the most part, he's going to be right along the middle, kind of okay, he's okay. And because you thought he was trash, you're now expecting everything he does to be a disaster. And when it's not, you now overinflate how good he actually is or how good he actually played. Now, mind you, let me remind everyone, I wasn't doing a show at the time, but when he was drafted by the Giants and there was a lot of backlash, I was not one of them. I thought coming out of college, Daniel Jones is a solid player. He's not bad. I mean, he's not dynamic. He's not impressive. But I think he's a lot like Eli Manning in terms of just not really going to wow you with the way it looks, but he can get results. Now, Eli Manning was one of those guys where if everything is set up around him, he's got a good team around him, a good defense, good offensive line, good running game, good receivers. He can he can do enough. I mean, Eli Manning is obviously better. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to sit here and get anybody mad and say that Daniel Jones is as good as Eli Manning because he's not, not even close. But what I'm saying is Daniel Jones is run-of-the-mill average quarterback. That's what he is. He's just an average quarterback. You'll contest it. So this week, he goes up against the Vikings in a playoff game. They're, they're picked to lose the game. And so when Daniel Jones comes out and plays well, it is blown way out of proportion. And everyone's having a love affair, love fest and a love affair with Daniel Jones. Here's my question. Are we, why are we ignoring reality? So let's do this. I'm not buying into Daniel Jones. And I'll tell you why. This week means nothing to me. Or this past week. Because the Vikings were 30th, ranked 30 out of 32 teams in the NFL in yards per game. They were second to worst in yards per game. They were also 30th out of 32 teams in points per game. It's a bad defense. It's a bad defense. A bad defense. By every metric you want to look at, the Vikings defense is terrible. So Daniel Jones played well against a terrible defense. I'm not, I don't, so? So? Just because you expected them to lose, now all of a sudden I have to, what you know whatever 
And I would say, here's the second reason why I'll say. His best games came against the Vikings twice and then the Lions. Against everyone else, he was kind of what you would expect him to be. Do you know this year he had a game against Chicago where he completed 8 out of 13 passes for 71 yards? 13 passes? Yeah, I'm reading that right. 13. He threw it 13 times. Name me another top. Name me, name me another good quarterback that's only going to throw it 13 times. And that's like, cool. <laughs> no touchdowns, by the way. Do you know against Seattle, who's another bad defense? He completed 17 to 31 for 176 yards and no touchdowns. Do you know that Daniel Jones had 10 games this year? 10. He played in 16. 10 out of the 16 games he threw for under 200 yards. Under 200. 10 out of 16 games he played under 200 passing yards. Do you know there was five games this year that he threw for zero touchdowns? I know, I know, John, you say you're not the stat guy. I'm not the stat guy. I'm not judging him solely on his stats. What I'm judging him on is the fact that when I watch the games, you will never have a game where you go into it saying the Giants will win because they have Daniel Jones. It's not going to happen. He's not going to be the reason that you're going to win or pick them to win games. It's not. He threw for 15 touchdown passes this year. Uh Uh-oh. That's less touchdown passes than Justin Fields, and we all acknowledge Justin Fields looked lost throwing the ball. He threw for less touchdown passes than Davis Mills, and we all would say Davis Mills ain't no good. 15 passing touchdowns, and you think he's in the top 50% of the league? You think he's better than average? Ugh. Here's something. Here's something. If you you still don't buy in, okay, you still don't buy in, fine. You don't buy in, no big deal. You don't buy in. Well, let me say this. Let's look at some numbers now. Because again, I'm not saying the numbers tell the whole story. I'm saying watch the games and tell me you think Daniel Jones is doing something impressive. I don't think I don't see it. And then when I go look at the numbers and say, am I wrong? Like these numbers look kind of, are they the, are they good? And then the numbers say, oh, that's exactly what I think I'm seeing. So this year, this season, which is everyone would we would all agree this is Daniel Jones' best season. We all on the same page here. It's his best season. Okay, this year he completed sixty seven percent of his passes. That's really good. He threw for thirty two hundred and five yards, three thousand two hundred and five yards. He threw for fifteen touchdowns and only five interceptions. That's what he did this year. That's really good, right? That's his best year. Mm, actually, that's really close to what he's done for the rest of his career. So over the course of his previous three years, he completed 63%. So he went up four percentage points. That's pretty good. He threw for an average of 2,800 yards. So he went up about 400 yards. That's pretty good. He threw for 15 touchdowns a year. That's what he was averaging the previous three years. The previous three years, he was averaging 15 touchdowns a year. That's exactly what he threw this year. Now, he was averaging 10 interceptions the previous three years. And this year, it dropped down to five. So he cut down turnovers. But the difference in this, four percentage points in completion, 400 more yards, no more touchdowns, and five less interceptions. So what he did was he cleaned up the mistakes. He's throwing, he's having less turnovers. That's it. 
Otherwise, he's not playing any better. It's right where he is. And you know what he is for his career now, all four years? 63%, 2,900 yards, 15 touchdowns, nine interceptions. Those are his averages over a four-year career. This year he had this year, which you will acknowledge is his best year, falls right in line with his entire career. Do you know that he had 24 passing touchdowns as a rookie? As a rookie, 24 passing touchdowns has gone down every year since. But you want me to believe that at 15 passing touchdowns, he's having he's he's doing something impressive? What are you talking about? That that's exactly what he was last year. He, he he's not much, he hasn't done much more than he did the previous three years. But because you came into this year thinking, this is it, he's trash, he's garbage. I've seen him for three years, he's garbage. Now all of a sudden you think he's doing better. You know what changed this year from the last three years? They won nine games and they got to the playoffs. That's it. That's the only difference. The only difference is you won more games. And so you think Daniel Jones is playing really well because we're winning games. No, he's not playing any better. He's cleaned up some mistakes. So, yeah, I'll give him credit there. He's cleaned up some mistakes. He's playing a little neater. But he's not doing much better than he did in the last three years. You're just winning more. Your team has slightly improved. Although you would like to say, Giants fans, that the Giants are terrible. They got no players, no this, this, that, that, that. Your team is improving. Daniel Jones is the same guy he has been. The rest of the team around him has gotten slightly better. And so you're having slightly better results. I already told you. They've only, I think they've won two games against teams with a winning record, lost to everybody else. Look, that's what it is. Oh, wait, I forgot. I forgot. You guys are going to start telling me about, oh, no, but it's not just passing. He runs the ball, too. He's a really good running quarterback. He runs the ball, too. He runs the ball. Oh, yeah, I know. This year, he averaged 5.9 yards a carry, had 708 yards and seven rushing touchdowns. Well, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Do you also know that he ran the ball twice as much this year as he has in any year previously? Twice as much. He had 120 carries this year. Last year, he had 62. The year before that, I think he had like 64. So he ran the ball twice as much this year. And then you look at it and you say, hmm, well, how does that stack up to what he'd done the previous three years? He averaged 5.8 yards a carry for the last three years. He went up 0.1 yard per carry this year. He would get an average of 333 yards and two touchdowns. The past three years, 5.8. This year, 5.9. You know what the difference is? That he ran the ball twice as much as he did last year. If he ran the ball 120 times last year, averaging 5.8, he'd be right around 708 yards. There's no difference. The difference is so minimal that he hasn't taken a leap. He hasn't taken a leap. You're, you're, it's being presented as if Daniel Jones has taken a leap. And I only bring this up because idiot Giants fans always bother me and want to say how good their guy is. Ah, He's the same guy he was that you hated last year. The same guy you thought was bad last year. The same guy you thought you was ready to trade last year. The same guy you wanted to move off of last year and the year before that and the year before that. The same guy that you booed and thought, why are we drafting this guy so early? That's the guy who he is. He hasn't changed. He hasn't gotten much better. It's it's minimal, the improvements that he's been able to make over four years. He's in his fourth year. He's not a rookie coming into his second year and he's making improvements. This is year four. 
Stop babysitting. And he was babysat all year, by the way. Now, I say this because Daniel Jones is in year four. He has an option for next year. The Giants are probably going to have to pay him. Here's what I would ask you. For you, those of you Giants fans who think Daniel Jones is doing so well, he's so good, and blah, 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 whatever you want to say. If Daniel Jones was making $35 million a year, would you be happy with these numbers? No, you wouldn't. Not a single Giants fan will sit here and tell me that they would be happy with their $35 million a year quarterback throwing for barely 3,000 yards and only 15 touchdowns. You wouldn't do it. That's a fact. You wouldn't be happy about that. And you would consider him the most overpaid player. That's it. You want to know how I know? Because Dak Prescott is making $40 million, putting up way better numbers than, than Daniel Jones. And we're still looking at Dak Prescott like, nah, he's probably getting overpaid. All you Giants fans who want to hate on Dak Prescott and say that Dak Prescott don't deserve $40 million a year, you're about to pay a guy $40 million a year who's not even touching Dak Prescott's numbers. And I'm not even a Prescott guy. I'm a Cowboys fan, and I don't trust Dak Prescott. So what I did was I said, hmm, where does he rank? Because in my mind, Daniel Jones ranks somewhere between 16 and 20 in the NFL. As far as best quarterback list, 16 and 20. He's going to be somewhere in that range, Right? 16 to 25. (laughs) So I said, how many guys would you list before you say you would take Daniel Jones? How many quarterbacks would you start to rattle off before you say I would take Daniel Jones over that guy? So I have a list that comprises of seven. Without a doubt, I'm taking these seven guys over Daniel Jones every single day. And then I have another list of nine names that I would say I would I would take them over him, but you would have a chance to maybe argue some. Maybe, maybe you could make a case for we. It'd be the seven are you can't even argue it. it. It's not. It's it's laughable to even think that you would take Daniel Jones over any one of those seven. And then there's about nine guys that you would say it's not completely laughable. You're you're wrong. Let's be clear. You're wrong. You're not taking Daniel Jones over them. But if you wanted to make the case, I will entertain you and destroy your argument. So the seven clearly are Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, Trevor Lawrence, Aaron Rodgers, and Lamar Jackson. In my opinion, those seven guys, you're absolutely without question taking them over Daniel Jones. You would. All right. The the maybes, the nine maybes, Tom Brady, Kirk Cousins, Jalen Hurts, Tua, uh, Derek Carr, Dak Prescott, uh, Deshaun Watson, uh, Russell Wilson, Jared Goff. (laughs) Now, I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. There's 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 three names that pop right out to you. Actually, four names that pop right out to you that if you're a diehard Giants fan, if you're someone that loves Daniel Jones, you're probably going to look at this, hear these names and say, yo, you're out of your mind. Now, the one name you're probably going to hear, the first one is Justin Herbert in the without a doubt uh, category. Justin Herbert over the last four seasons, actually, he's only been in the league, what, three years? Here's what Justin Herbert averages per year. Now, mind, let me remind you, Let me remind you, Daniel Jones is averaging, averaging over his four-year career, completing 63%, throwing for 2,900 yards a year, 15 touchdowns, and nine picks. Justin Herbert is averaging 67% completion, 4,696 yards, 31 touchdowns, and 12 picks. It's not even close. I'm I'm throwing twice as many touchdowns as you and almost twice as many yards. And I'm completing a higher percentage than you. So what are you talking about? Daniel Jones' best year doesn't touch Justin Herbert's worst year. Like, let's stop. He's not even close. You might say, oh, Derek Carr. I don't trust Derek Carr either. Again, let me remind you, Derek Carr over the last four years is completing 67%, throwing for 4,100 yards, 24 touchdowns, and 11 picks. Again, what are we talking about? What are we talking about? 
And if you want to say, oh, but uh, uh, Derek Carr has a better team, like, says who? Have you seen their defense? Have ha- Do you not realize that the Giants' defense is better than the Raiders' defense? I'm just saying. Now, I know you might say, oh, Jared Goff, like, are you kidding me? Well, over the last four years, Jared Goff averages 65% completion, better, 4,068 yards, much better, and 23 touchdowns, much better. He's putting up better numbers. Like, what are we talking about here? And don't sit there and tell me that the Lions, like, what are we talking about? You, if you want to start, I'm not I'm not just saying that the stats prove that they're better. I'm saying if you look at them definitively, if you were grading them, they would grade higher. Daniel Jones wasn't picked, wasn't going to be a top 10 pick. Jared Goff was a number one pick, and there was very little doubt that he should have been a top five pick. Derek Carr would have been a first round pick if not for the fact that his brother was a complete flame out in the NFL and that made people wary. Justin Herbert was a clear top 10 for two years. He went back to school when he might have been the number one pick. And the last name you're probably looking at is Deshaun Watson. And I'll agree with you. That was was a weird one. But if you look at Deshaun Watson for the four years previous before he had to sit out and before this year, because I can't really include this year because he sat out for the first 12 games. And then after not playing NFL football for well over a year, was thrown into the fire and you want him to look good. He's not going to look good. Now, I agree. He shouldn't he shouldn't have got 230 million guaranteed. That's rough. But I also understand that, like, that's just the name of the game. But if you look at his numbers previous to that in four seasons, average 68% completion, much better. 3,634 yards, much better. 26 touchdowns, much better. And the same amount of interceptions at nine. All of these guys produce at a higher level than Daniel Jones. And I only bring up the stats because you'll tell me that Daniel Jones had a really good year. And when I look at the numbers, they look really eerily similar to what he's done for the rest of his career. So how good is it really? How good is it really? If it's the same as it's been and you've improved in minimal ways, you cut down interceptions. But you didn't improve anything. You just cut down interceptions. You didn't throw more touchdowns as a result. But the difference was the Giants won more games and made it to the playoffs and they won a playoff game. So now you're thinking Daniel Jones is much better because they're winning now. They're not winning because Daniel Jones is playing better. It's not why they're winning. Saquon Barkley being healthy proves something. Having a new coaching staff in there with a new philosophy means something. All of those things mean something and aid to it. But Daniel Jones is not. It wasn't like Daniel Jones came into this year and has completely transformed himself. And if you are the Giants and you have to pay him, hey, man, I'm not ready to pay you no big bucks. Because what you did this year at your best. It's not it's not it's not good enough. It's not good enough. And I'm not buying in. And I wouldn't be surprised if they go to Philadelphia against a team who has a good pass rush now look i haven't bought into philadelphia at all this year i don't buy them i'm not buying in but i can't ignore the fact or the reality that they do have a good pass rush they do have a good defensive line and they cause a bunch of turnovers and if daniel jones comes out and has a dud of a game and looks terrible you can't be surprised because that's kind of what he is i'm not on that hype train y'all can have it the next thing I want to talk about is I want to talk about Lamar Jackson because I came in in the beginning of the year when there was a contract dispute and everyone was talking about pay Lamar Jackson. My theme all year long has been if you take all the money, 
the rest of the team is going to suffer. You can't, it's just not a good thing. You have to make cuts. You have to hope that you can draft guys and develop them very quickly so they can contribute because you can't even afford to re-sign them. Your defense is going to fall apart because you're not going to, you're going to have to, if you have a $50 million quarterback, you got to put all your resources into surrounding that quarterback with weapons so you can get your value, which means your defense is going to suffer, which means you end up having a bad defense and you have to outscore everybody. No. So I say, I said, Lamar Jackson should take a little less, a little less money. And, and and have the team and have faith in the team because the Ravens for years, for years, have been putting together a solid roster. Even this year, the team wasn't the best that they've been. They got a solid roster, man. You can get to the playoffs. And if they had Lamar Jackson, we all agree, man, that game against the Bengals is different. I'm not going to say they would win. But that game looks different. And there's really not much argument about that. And if that's the case, if you can get to the playoff game and you could win a playoff game, why can't you win two? Why can't you win three? Whatever. I said, also, the minute you get that money, the minute you start fighting for that money and hold the team hostage and say, give me my money. Well, now you put yourself under a microscope that, in my opinion, is not fair. It's not fair. Lamar Jackson is already being criticized for what he's done in the playoffs and said, well, he's he hasn't won a playoff game. He's done this. He's done that. Look at his numbers in the playoffs. And it's like, dude, like, again, you're looking at the outcome and that they lost. And now you're blaming him. And now you're looking at his numbers and judging him. But look, let's be honest. Like playoff football is hard. It's hard. There's a lot of guys that don't win in the playoffs. There's a lot. There's a lot of guys that don't win in the playoffs. It happens. What are you going to do? But at the same time, if you take a little less and the team doesn't win, you now can say, hey, we'll look at it like, yo, it's, you can't blame him because you're not surrounding him with anything. That's why Aaron Rodgers can't complain because Aaron Rodgers took all the money. So now, hey, you want good receivers? Well, we can't really afford them. So we got to go get you young guys and hope that they develop quickly. But you don't want to be part of a rebuild, but you want $50 million a year. So the reports are, at least last time I heard, was that the Ravens offered him Five years, two hundred and fifty million, with one hundred and thirty-three million guaranteed. And he said, "No, I want two hundred fifty million guaranteed. I want the whole contract guaranteed." And the Ravens said, "Now nah, we're not going to do that. We can't do that." Now, when I think about it, that contract they were offering him is a really good contract. The problem is Deshaun Watson got two hundred thirty million guaranteed, and. And Lamar Jackson's next up, and he's saying, well, now I want to beat that because this is how it's always worked. For the last 20 years, the next quarterback up always got the big money. Next man up always got bigger contract. That's the way it went. Well, I would say that's dumb because if you're Lamar Jackson and you get 250 and you set the market, well, Joe Burrow is going to get more than that then. Well, Herbert's going to get more than that then. The next quarterbacks that are coming up are going to get more. And very quickly, within the next five years, by the life of that contract, you're now going to be number 10 in the league in terms of highest paid. So that whole ego boost to pay me, I want to be the highest paid so that everybody knows, like, that's my status, blah, blah, blah. That's how much you respect me, appreciate me. Like, you're immediately going to be underpaid very quickly if that's the, if the system conti- continues to go that way. But I think a lot of these owners are realizing we can't afford to pay you $230 million guaranteed. That's crazy. Yeah, Deshaun Watson got it. But if that team starts to fall apart because we can't afford to keep these guys and we got to start moving off of guys and then he sits at a losing franchise and they lose like they always have, like, what good is that? 
You want to have your money and, and go to work every day with no chance to win? That's what you want? Or do you want to take $40 million or $30 million a year, win a whole bunch of games, rack it up in endorsements because you're going to now be the face of the league. Look at Patrick Mahomes. Everywhere. Commercials abound. Because the guy's winning. Look at Dak Prescott. Plays for the Cowboys. He don't have to make $40 million a year, even though he does. If he had made $20 million a year, he'd be making $70 million off endorsements. Now, I understand the idea of, you know, get your money. You're only able to play for a short period of time. Like, get as much as you can before it's over. I get all of that. I get maximizing that. But if you take a little less and it can continue to build a team around you, you might be able to extend your career. That's how Tom Brady's still playing at 45. Because for years in New England, they had a good offensive line because he was taking less money and they were investing in protecting him. He was winning a whole bunch of games because there was money to go around and get these strategic pieces you needed. They always had one or two free agents that they would bring in or somebody they would trade for that would really help catapult them. If you're Lamar Jackson, you can't take this fight to the point where it's like, I'm going to go somewhere else and get my money. Nobody's giving you 250 guaranteed. Nobody. And what's going to happen is they're going to start picking you apart and start talking about, well, you can't really throw that well. Well, you know, you're more of a running quarterback and you're going to get injured. That's not going to last. And then it's going to be all these other things where your game is going to be criticized and picked apart. And we're not going to be appreciating what you can do because they're going to be trying to say, well, you can't do this. So should I really pay you 250? I think Baltimore is a franchise that has shown over the last 20 years that they're they're going to be solid. They're going they do really well drafting. They have a clear vision of what they want. They have a system. They have an identity. They know what they're looking for. They keep adding talent every draft. I don't know how they do it, but they're always acquiring. Their drafts are always really good. They always have a good draft. They always pick up one or two guys that are immediate impact players and come on man, like you're set up there. The city loves you. The team loves you. They offered you big money. No, it's not the top in the league, but 230 million guaranteed is crazy. Nobody's doing that. Nobody was doing it before. The Browns only did it because they were so desperate. I don't I I just I just don't get that part. I just don't get that. So I'm hoping that I'm hoping that, you know, he comes to his senses. I'm hoping that he gets a good contract for him. But I hope it's also a good contract for the team so that he's not strapped in a situation where he can't win. And you need to understand, I'm not hating on Lamar Jackson. I'm not saying he shouldn't get his money. I'm not saying look out for the team. I'm not saying any of that. But what I am saying is I would hate to see him be in a situation where he's got no shot at winning and therefore the rest of his career, he's looked at as somebody who couldn't get the job done. Because my favorite player, Tony Romo, was with a garbage roster and will live the rest of his life with people saying he can't get it done. You need help. You need guys around you. You need a good squad. You need a good defense. You need a running game. You need all these different factors in order to win games. Don't put yourself in a situation where you can't get any of that help because they're going to say, we're strapped with the cap. So I want to talk about the Cowboys. So the Cowboys beat the Buccaneers. They beat them handily. And I got to tell you, going into that game, I didn't think they would win. I thought, man, I've been a Cowboys fan for a long time. I've seen them fail over and over and over. I've seen them get into playoff spots and tough pressure situations and completely fold. I've seen it. I've seen it too many times. So I said, I, I'm not going to get, I don't think they're going to win. I'm not going to set myself up for failure and think that they're going to win, make a run or whatever. I'm just going to, you know what? If it happens, great. If it doesn't, I'm prepped for it. But I did say, I just want to blow out. My mom texted me like right before the game saying good luck because she does that. She's weird like that. <laughs> but uh, 
So she says, good luck. And I said, look, all I want, I just want, I'm just hoping for a blowout where it's not even close. I don't trust him in a close game. And luckily, blowouts abound. It was a blowout, right? From the jump, it was like, oh, okay. It was ugly the first couple drives for both teams. And then they took off. I never looked back. Now, I'm not going to spend time talking about the missed extra points because who cares? Honestly, I know it's a cool story and it was was an uninteresting game in terms of it wasn't close. So, yeah, you're like, oh, yeah, like whatever, whatever. You need to talk about something. But let's be honest. Extra points. The game was never in doubt. It wasn't a problem. It wasn't. It was just whatever. Who cares? Next week he comes out, he makes five for five and they win. It doesn't matter. Next week, if if they got a 60 yard field goal to win the game and he nails it like nobody cares. Right. Like, so who cares? It didn't hurt. It didn't affect anybody. Let him get back. Let him get his head right. He made a he made an extra point at the end of the game. So it's like he made one. It wasn't like he missed every one of them. And now you got to hope next week his head's in the right place. I think he's good. All right. The team is sticking with him, which I think is the right decision. I don't think you try to bring in a new kicker right now. Mess that up. I think this guy has been good for you all year. I think you ride it out. Okay. But here's what I will say about this game. The Cowboys winning scares me. Because they're getting a lot of praise this week. They're getting a lot. There's a lot of conversation about, hey, the Cowboys, they could do it. The Cowboys could, you know, they could cause some problems for the 49ers. And you're starting to think like, oh, man, oof, they're starting to get some love. And the minute the Cowboys get love, that's exactly the moment that you start having. That's the moment they come up small. Right. The moment you think this team is really good, this team's going to make it, this team's going to do things. That's the moment that they come out and lay an egg. And look, San Francisco's no joke. San Francisco's tough. But here's the thing. They got that rookie quarterback. If you put some heat on him, and I mean some real heat. How does he respond? I know everyone says, oh, he's pretty good. He's pretty good. Yeah, he don't have to do much. Like, think about it this way. His margin for error is so big. Like, he can make so much of them. He can make such mistakes. But the defense is good enough to make up for it. He's got a running game in McCaffrey. He's got a couple receivers that will get open, that can run after the catch. We just, just get the ball in their hands, and you're good. Every once in a while, maybe two, three throws out of the game, you got to throw something down there and make a nice play. But other than that, like, your margin for error is, like, non-existent. You, you can make mistakes if you want to. You could turn the ball over. I'm I'm willing to say the, the 49ers could turn the ball over seven times and win, depending on who they're playing. So it's like your margin for error is so great that you have no pressure. You don't have to. You're not you're not trying. You're just like, yo, just go play. It, 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 it's like. It, it's I can't it's. It's hard to it's hard. I'm trying to think of an analogy and I can't do it. But there, it's it's really just like, look, you can't mess this up for you to mess it up. You'd have to do something so epic like it's not going to happen. Just just go out there and play. Don't worry about making mistakes. We know you're going to. You're a rookie. You were picked last in the draft. You're Mr. Irrelevant. Nobody's expecting anything from you. Just go play. Whatever happens, happens. You're not even expected to win. You're a backup. You're a third string guy. Like, But if you could get some heat on him. And now he's being antsy. He turns the ball over once and, oh, you go down and score. And I was like, all right, I got to get it back. He's young, so he's going to want to get it back. It's tough, man. It's tough. That could that could start rattling some cages. That could start to bring out, because for whatever reason, he was drafted last in the draft, right? There's a lot of quarterbacks that were taken before him. It's for a reason. 
They don't evaluate these guys based on how good we think you could be or or do we think like, man, nah, you know, we just don't care. You didn't come from a good enough school. Your stats didn't look good. No, they evaluate all of the quarterbacks fair game. And we're going to take the ones we like. Right? This is the guy we like. Like, for example, use the Giants. The Giants evaluated all the quarterbacks and thought Daniel Jones was the guy they wanted. So you take him. If somebody wanted Brock Purdy or somebody really liked Brock Purdy, they would have drafted him. Right? Like, so it's like you were val- you were you were looked at, you were considered non-draftable, right? Like they weren't gonna nobody was gonna draft you. The 49ers say, Yeah, let's take a flyer on this kid. He's pretty tough. They may be like some traits, but they didn't draft you because of your ability. They drafted you probably because of some intangibles, right? You were also third on the depth chart. <laughs> you were third string quarterback, right? Okay, so there's a reason for that. So now that you come in and you're playing with this team, I'm not going to pretend like we don't want to say, hey, remember, he was just evaluated like seven months ago. And they thought he was undraftable. And then he was evaluated again a few months after that, after preseason. And they thought he was a third string quarterback. Like he wasn't better than either of the two guys we have. And now they put him in because they had to. And he's playing okay. He's playing pretty good. Better than, again, better than you expected but not better than he's capable of playing. Do you understand what I'm saying? Does that make sense? Like Brock Purdy's not the worst quarterback that's ever been brought into the NFL. It wasn't some guy that was taken off a trash heap. He's a guy that played in college multiple years, was had some success. So if you put him into a great situation like San Francisco, how many quarterbacks do you think wouldn't go there and be able to do what he's doing? Don't like again, don't ignore the reality. The reality is is he's doing exactly what he's supposed to do. And he's also playing with a team that he has zero pressure because he can make so many mistakes and get away with it. That's my assessment. But I'm afraid of the Cowboys going there with all the expectations of, oh, man, they could really make this a game. This is going to be tough. This is going to be a great game and all the excitement and the late game and blah, 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 and all this and that and then laying an egg. But, but as I'm watching that game on Monday night and my wife called me and said did they win and I said yeah and she said was it close and I said no I caught myself starting to be negative when I said well yeah you know it sucks because they gotta go to you know San Francisco next week on a short week and blah 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 and they're probably gonna lay an egg and it's gonna be disappointing da, 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 da. and I caught myself being negative I said you know what that's no way to live I'm going down with the ship <laughs> I'm taking the Cowboys to beat the, the 49ers. I am. I'm going to do it. And here's the reason why. Because I'm 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 a guy who believes in you have to, in order to get, in order to slay the dragon, you have to get through a whole bunch of mini bosses, right? You have to, uh, you have to overcome some, some hurdles, some obstacles. So the great, one of the greatest, uh, things that I've always been jealous of in my life is my best friend is a Giants fan, right? My best friend hated the Cowboys, hated Tony Romo, um, and he hated Tom Brady. And in 2007, uh, the Giants backed into the playoffs, and then they had to go play Tampa, I believe. Beat Tampa. No. Yeah, beat Tampa. Then they beat the Cowboys. No, what was it? It wasn't Tampa. Yeah, it was Tampa. It was Tampa, Cowboys, and then Green Bay. Yeah, that's what it was. It was Tampa, 
Then they had to beat the Cowboys, and they did. So he got he slayed that dragon, that mini boss. And then they beat um, Green Bay in Lambeau, which was unexpected because they don't lose games. It was Brett Favre. It was negative nine degrees. It was a te- like no way they're gonna win, and they did. And then they got to play the undefeated Patriots. And his most hate he hated Tom Brady. We used to argue all the time because he would tell me Tom Brady's overrated. We were young, we were young kids, uh, but he hated him. And he got to watch that. He got to watch his team unexpectedly go play, you know, Tampa Bay. And we all said, nah, Tampa's really not good. Like, whatever. That's not impressive. And then they went to play the Cowboys, who were 13-3, and number one seed, riding high, Tony Romo, the golden boy. And then they beat them. So he got the, woo, my team beat Tony. I hate the Cowboys just to beat the Cowboys. Then they go to Green Bay, and they got talked all week. They're not going to win. They're not going to win. They're not going to win. It's too cold. They don't play well in the cold. This is what Green Bay does. They never lost a home game and play. Something crazy like that, right? Beat that, won that. He's in the Super Bowl. And who are they playing in the Super Bowl? Hit the most hated player. He hated Tom Brady more than anything in this world. I don't think I've ever met someone who hated something more than he hated Tom Brady. (laughs) And to get to see them stop not only Tom Brady, but beat an undefeated team and prevent history. And the way that game happened, man, what a magical run. I've always been jealous of that. I've always been jealous of that. The closest I ever got was Ohio State beating Alabama in the college football playoff to get to a national title because I hated Alabama at that point for personal reasons. We'll get into it another day. But I hated Alabama. (laughs) So watching them have to play Alabama to be the four seed, playing the one seed Alabama, mighty Alabama, and then win, oh, so satisfying. But that still was only half of what he got to see. And so this year... They have to go not only win a game on the road, which they haven't done since 92. They have to go beat a player in Tom Brady who's never lost to the Cowboys. So you slay that mini dragon, right? That mini boss. Now you have to go to San Francisco against a team that is, some people consider the Super Bowl favorite at this point, right? And they're loaded and they got the rookie and they're doing great. You'd have to go there and prove that you can have back-to-back good games and prove that you can win a road game. Right Again, because you did it, but it was Tom Brady, the, the Buccaneers. Let's be honest. Their offense was terrible all year. They looked terrible on Monday. Like that's, that's what they are. Like You're not surprised by that. So you have to go do that. And then you'll either have to go beat the Eagles or beat the Giants. And those are two teams that I hate. I hate both of them teams. And I don't know who I want to win. I kind of just hope, like again, like I said, it's like kissing your sister. Like watching your sister and your mom kiss. <laughs> Picking the Eagles or the Giants is like, would you rather kiss your mom on the lips or kiss your sister on the lips? Like, it's both bad. You don't want either one of them to walk away as the victor. You don't want to do either one, but like, ah, God. But either way, to have to go through one of those teams for me as a fan would be, woo. Yes, yes, sign me up. And then you will go to the championship, man. That So it's kind of shaping up to be one of those runs where like, look, and then you look at the history between the Cowboys and the 49ers. Such history. The last road playoff game they won before Monday was in 92 in San Francisco against the 49ers. There's so much history between these two franchises. And not only that, but they knocked you out last year in the playoffs. Yeah, the 49ers beat you last year. So now you get to come in and beat Tom Brady, who's never lost to you. And that was the whole storyline. Never lost to the Cowboys. Well, now we took that one out. And now you go there to San Francisco and say, well, you beat us last year. So now we could take you out. And now if you got to go against the Giants again, well, you beat them twice already. You know you're better than them. You know exactly what they like to do. Or if you play the Eagles, you can say, you know what? We can take you out now. I'm just saying. It sets up to be one of those magical rides, and I'm on it. That's right. I'm in. Cowboys are going to the Super Bowl.
Now I know, look, I know in my heart, in my heart, I still haven't bought into it. I still don't believe in my head. I still don't believe it. I'm still kind of just hoping uh, that this is one that this is one of those moments where things just fall in line for them. And I, I don't know. I'm just hoping something clicks. I'm hoping I'm not like I've always been with the giant or with the Cowboys and just get disappointed. Just disappointed. The thing that hurts the most is that they play the last game. So like, I wish I knew if the Giants had won or lost, because then that'll affect how like desperate I'm gonna be for a win. I know that sounds weird, but if if the Giants lose and then the Cowboys lose, then it's it'll hurt a little less. <laughs> yes, I'm hating on the Giants hard because I have like real life ties and people I have to deal with who like the Giants who I, I can't I can't deal with that. I can't deal with that. So I'm hating I want them to lose really bad. I do. But let's get into picks because the one thing I like to pride myself on is not being biased as a fan. So as I said, I am a fan of the Cowboys. I'm hoping they go on a magical run. I'm hoping this is the start of it. I think they can get it done in San Francisco. I think they can. I don't think San Francisco is unbeatable. I don't think there's a team in the playoffs that's unbeatable. Look at Buffalo. Buffalo is a team you always keep thinking that they're legit. They're ready to go. They're ready to go. They're ready to go. And then they kind of fall back to the pack all the time there's nobody that's just hands down like how do you beat them everyone has a flaw everyone has a weakness there's a game plan for everyone at this point it's just the way it is so going into these picks i promise you i'm not making any of these picks based on uh my heart my fandom or any hate these are honest to goodness picks the chiefs are favored by eight and a half over the jaguars and i'm going to tell you right now i'm taking the chiefs and i'm taking the points I think they cover that. I think they probably win by 10 or 13 because here's the thing. The Jaguars have routinely gone down or fell behind against good teams. The difference is, is those teams' defenses have fallen apart. Look at the Cowboys. The Cowboys had a bunch of late turnovers against them, but they were up by 17 in that game at one point. Like it wasn't, you were not thinking that the Jaguars were competing with the Cowboys. It was like, oh, the Cowboys got it. And then mistakes started happening and they fell apart and the Jaguars, to their credit, took advantage. But a team like the Chiefs, who's so experienced, who's been through this a million times, who's got great players on offense and defense, who's got a great defensive line who's going to put pressure on, who can stop the run. Like, it's just, if you fall behind on them, the comeback's not happening the same. You're not going to do that again. And uh, judging the way Trevor Lawrence looked in the beginning of that game against the Chargers, well, this defense is better. And I like the Chiefs to cover that number, even though it's a large number. You got the Eagles favored by seven and a half over the Giants. And I got to be honest with you, I like the Eagles in that one too. Now, I will say, I will not be surprised if the Giants beat the Eagles. I won't be. It's a division. Your rivals, you played each other twice already. I know people are going to say, oh, our third string guys just made it competitive and made it hard against your starters. I know. But like, let's be honest, when both starting rosters were in there, like, it wasn't close. They, they washed you guys, and then the next one they won, but it was closer. So it is hard to beat somebody three times. Trust me, I know. I just told you about 2007 when the Cowboys had beat the Giants twice and then lost in the playoffs. So it wouldn't surprise me. But I'm going to take the Eagles because I think the Eagles' defensive line is going to be the difference in this game. I think their defensive line is going to get pressure on Daniel Jones. I think they're going to be much more ready for him running the ball rather than Minnesota. Minnesota seemed like they didn't know that he was going to run the ball. Like, they didn't think he was going to leave the pocket, so they gave him wide open lanes the entire game, and he took advantage of it to their credit. 
I think the Eagles are going to be ready for that, waiting for that, hoping for that. And then I think their secondary is a little more opportunistic in terms of they can make some turnovers here or there. And the Giants receivers are not that great. They're not great. They're not good. They're like, okay, they're average, right? That's kind of what they are. They're average. And so the Eagles will be able to, they won't be afraid of those receivers. So they'll press a little bit. They'll be in their face a little bit and they'll probably get a turnover or two. And I think they could cover seven and a half. I think they win that one by probably like nine or 10. Uh, the Bengals uh, are getting five and a half points versus the Bills. The Bills are favored by five and a half against the Bengals. Here's what I'm going to say. I think, I think the Bengals, after coming off of that game that they had against the Ravens, that's a division rival. That's a team, again, that you played twice during the year that knows you. You know them. There's no surprises. Like, we're so familiar with you that that game was always going to be closer than it needed to be. I think the Bengals were obviously the better team, and I think the Bengals in this case are much more consistent than the Bills. I think the Bills have the potential to go out there and win 48-7, to but they also have the potential to lose 48-7. to So it's one of those games where it's like, I'm going to favor the more consistent team. So if you're going to give me five and a half points, I'm gladly going to take the five and a half. I'm, I like the Bengals to win outright, but I will take the Bengals and the points. You know, you got to bet with the points, so take the points. I think I think they're more consistent than the Bills, and I think that's going to win out. And now you have the Cowboys and 49ers. 49ers getting four points. Look, I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, I'll, I'll take the four. I think I think these two teams are much closer uh, than than it appears. The 49ers aren't unbeatable. They've lost multiple games this year. They had the they started off terrible, and then. They had to kind of go on a hot streak, but at some point the hot streak starts to taper off. And I, I just think, look, if you look at the two teams, like what Dallas does well can cause problems for the 49ers and, and vice versa. Like it's it's they're very like I don't want to say they're evenly matched because I will say that I think the 49ers are slightly better in terms of like I think they're a lot less boom or bust and much more consistent. I think the Cowboys defense is really good at times, and then there's other times where they look kind of shaky. And I think the 49ers just look consistently good. Uh, so I'll give them the edge that way. But I will say, man, it, if if the Cowboys go on a run, if the Cowboys take this last win and say, look, let's just keep adding to that. And if they go into the next game with that little bit of an ego saying, yo, you guys, we need our get back for last year. I, I think this game could be fun. I think for Cowboys fans, it could be fun. And I'm going to take the Cowboys in the points. I'm going to do it, man. I'm going to put my heart on my sleeve. I'm going to go out as a fan. I'm going to ride with my squad. That's what I'm doing. That's my time, y'all. Look, uh, I had a fun time this week. Good time this week. Uh, for those of you watching on the YouTube, I appreciate you. For those of you listening to audio only, uh, thanks again. Like, look, this is Cyber Family, Cyber Network. Uh, we got a lot of cool things coming this year. We got some merch coming soon. Uh, I'm, I'm having fun doing this. I'm glad you guys are joining me. Uh, join the Cyber Family. Follow me on all social media platforms at cyber underscore pod. That's S-I-B-R underscore P-O-D. Hit me up, comment, whatever. Let's let's interact. We're trying to build a community here. This is all about fun. This is about bringing sports back to what it is. Let's have sports debates, sports talk, sports fun. If you're a fan, if you're a hater, if you like the Cowboys, hate the Cowboys, I don't care. Come into the community. Let's have a big conversation. Everybody going back and forth talking about whatever you want to talk about. All things in the world of sports. This world is crazy enough. We don't need to make sports be this more serious thing it has. It was supposed to be fun. Let's have fun with it. Let's talk about it. Let's interact with it. Uh, again, follow. 
uh, hit me up, message me, everything, like, subscribe, all of that good stuff. And we got more content coming soon. Until next week, God bless.